Thank you for listening to the Brother Mac podcast. Today we continue our study in the book of James in this series we call Simple Sermons. We hope that you have been able to keep track of the sermons through the past couple of weeks and hope that you stick with us as we continue through the book in the weeks ahead. We pray that God blesses you richly. Thank you so much. And now, James. We're going to continue today with our Simple Sermon series out of the book of James. So far, we have gone through James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and today we're going to begin in verse 9. So we're going to read verse 9, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. And then what I'd like to do today is actually go to another passage of Scripture that I think really helps us understand this passage of Scripture a little bit better. Okay, so I'm going to read it quickly. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So let's do a little bit of a rewind first before we go to another passage of Scripture. The first week we talked about pain and suffering. And we said that when you're going through troubles and you're going through trials, regardless of what the reason is, God is doing something in that trial to make you more like Christ. And so the issue that week and the thing that we focused on was that we need to have joy in trials to hold on, to keep on keeping on because God is doing something through the process. And if you'll let God work through your trials, through your tribulations, he's going to make you closer to the image of Christ. Last week, we looked at verses 5 through 8. And what we looked at in verses 5 through 8 is this whole notion of asking for wisdom, asking for understanding. And as we ask for wisdom and as we ask for understanding, God will grant us that. Uh, Of course, we also talked in that process about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. We also talked about some things that hinder us from trusting in God. And I even shared a little bit last week about how if we're not careful, we'll be cynical. And I kind of confessed a little bit that I struggle with cynicism. Um, I would say from time to time, but I would say I struggle with it a good bit. Today, we're going to kind of pull all those things together and come into this scripture when we're when James looks at what it's like to be the lowly brother. Now, when you think of the lowly brother, you think of, of somebody who is without, somebody who struggles. I like to think of this in kind of a, a modern day context. I know there are a lot of people that see people that love Jesus and love God and and are seeking to be faithful. And it seems like they have one hurdle after another, one obstacle after another. It seems like they're always going down into the valley. And then you've got these other people who, for some reason, they do what they want to do. They're sending up a storm. They're living for themselves. They're treating other people like dirt. And yet their lives, they've got some really nice lives. They've got a nice home, a nice car. They seem really happy. And and there's a difference there. And and we look at that difference and something inside of us just kind of screams out to the fact of this isn't right. It it makes sense that somebody that that loves Jesus would actually be somebody who gets all of these things. But remember from last week, if you watched last week, we focused on the eternal perspective. Now, we didn't call it that, but we we talked about the eternal perspective. And specifically, we looked at Romans 8. And what we said about Romans 8 was there's going to come a day where all debts are settled, where all sin is punished, 
And those that trust in Jesus are going to be forgiven and going to be able to spend eternity with him. And what we said last week in that verse as we were looking at it was that we're going to have this moment where we're going to look back at everything that happened to us in life and we're going to say, eh. And, and, I, and I hope last week was challenging. I hope it wasn't. I hope that I delivered that message in an appropriate way based on what Scripture says. But I really hope that we see that this world can really confuse us. And this world can really discourage us. But we're only passing through this world. This world is not always what it is. And so this Scripture this morning really reminds us of that. We're going to go through it and then we're going to go to this other verse quickly this morning. He says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Here's the thing, and, and I don't know of any other way to say this, but the way that things work in God's economy, um, it seems that the less you have, the easier and more likely it is that you're going to trust in God. And the less that you have, it seems to be really all of your trust, or the majority of your trust is going to be in God our Father. What you're going to see as you look in the Scripture, the Scripture doesn't, pro, pro, doesn't prohibit wealth. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament, you see a lot of the people that we generally read about in our Sunday school classes and even in the lineage of Jesus, some of them were fairly wealthy and some of them were actually even royalty. So, so we can't say that all rich people okay, are, are not going to be able to inherit God's kingdom. But the Bible makes it very clear that the richer you are, the more difficult it is for you to actually inherit eternal life. And I think the reason for that, and I believe Jesus points this out, and the rest of the people in the scripture point this out, is that the more stuff you have, the more your stuff has you. The more comfortable you are, the less that you think that you need to be comforted by Christ. So really, all of the things around you and all your possessions almost serve as an insulation that keep you from facing the reality that you really do need Jesus. So, so this scripture in James kind of goes to that. The lowly brother needs to boast in his exaltation. And he says the rich in his humiliation. And the truth of this scripture, what we see is that that rich person could honestly lose it all and be left with nothing. Listen to this. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. You see, the rich man may have a lot. But they don't have Christ. They lose everything they have. And they have misery and they have suffering because of that. But the lowly brother who doesn't have anything is already in a place where he realizes or she realizes who God is and how important God is. How wonderful God is. And basically their hope and their life and their dreams and their aspirations and their anchor. Going back to joy the first week. Their anchor is knowing who Jesus is. A passage of scripture that I think explains this a little bit better than I ever could comes out of the book of Luke. And if you look in Luke chapter 16, coming into verse 19, you're going to see a story about Lazarus and the rich man. Now, Lazarus, if you're reading it, you may get confused and think that this is the same Lazarus that Jesus called from the dead. Basically, that scripture, Jesus loved Lazarus. He was a close friend. Lazarus had died, and basically Jesus said he needs to wake up, and that's exactly what Lazarus did. He came back from the dead, and he was awakened. But this Lazarus is a different Lazarus. In fact, I've read and I've heard people say before that during this particular time in history, Lazarus was a fairly common name, kind of like John or Chuck or Michael. I would say Mac, but Mac's not a very common name. But in the book of Luke, chapter 16, we read the story that Jesus told them about a man who was clothed in purple. 
Now, purple is a color of royalty. Now, and I always joke with people when I see them wear purple, I'm like, oh, that's a color of royalty. But back during this time frame, it really was only people that had money that actually wore purple. You got to think, we, we take it for granted that we can go into Walmart or Target or someplace and get a shirt in any color. But, but those dyes that they used to produce those colors got to be expensive and purple was an extremely expensive color for someone to be able to wear because of the, the process that went in to take getting the dye to actually color the material. So you see here that he was clothed in purple, he had fine linen, and he, feasts, and he feasted sumptuously every day. That means that dude was always full. He had food to spare, there was food everywhere. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores. See, right here in the scripture, you get what James is talking about. One person you see here is the lowly brother, Lazarus, and the other is the rich. Okay, you see the, those comparisons. So the picture is you've got Lazarus that's there. He's at the gate. You've got the rich man who's feasting. And it says here, if you go a little bit further than verse 21, it says he was covered with sores, verse 20, and Lazarus desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. You see that? He didn't want what the rich man was eating. He was so hungry that he was willing to take the scraps that came from the rich man's table. Now, taking the two separated and looking at them in a comparison, in a contrast, the rich man would not have done that. The rich man would have been ashamed to have actually eaten the scraps off of somebody else's table. But Lazarus, it didn't matter to him. He just wanted food. So listen carefully again. We'll kind of keep going there. It says, moreover, this is really the nasty part. It says, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now we're going to take a time out for just a second. Because there's a lot of people, when they think of doing without, they think of regular things like doing without cable, doing without television, doing without certain types of food, doing without their kind of shorts or their kind of shoes or whatever it is they like. But this kind of doing without, and I believe it connects really with, the, what, with what James is saying, this kind of doing without really ultimately, honestly, is doing without. And if I can be honest with you right now, if you're watching this online, you may have struggles, you may have tribulations, you may have really suffered in your life, but this even goes a step further than anywhere that you and I have ever been. To actually be looking at somebody through a window and desiring to eat the scraps from their table covered with sores out in the alley. And you know what's amazing about that? Is if you look at James and you look at what Jesus is saying here, even though Lazarus in this world is on the bottom rung, he is actually more blessed than that rich man. And we're going to see why now. Because it says that the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Here's the truth. Rich people and poor people both die. And when you die, you can't take anything with you. I've seen people be buried in vehicles that they like. I've seen, I've read articles and, and seen pictures of that. I've heard of people being tried to be buried with trinkets and, and pictures and things like that. But I love what my grandmother said, and she told me this a number of years ago. She said, Mac, when I die, please make sure nobody puts anything in my casket. No pictures, no toys, no mementos, no anything. Because, and this is just the greatest biblical wisdom, my grandmother said, I want them to know that I'm not there anymore and that I'm at home 
with Jesus. And, and so what we see in this scripture is Lazarus, who in this world didn't have anything, basically steps into eternity and has everything because of his trust in God. And you have the rich man who trusted in the things of this world that stepped into eternity. And what does he get in eternity? Well, he doesn't get comfort. He doesn't get joy. The Bible actually says here that he gets punishment. It says he's in Hades. He's being tormented. He's lifting up his eyes. He sees Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And I want you to pay close attention to what happens. Because you would think, honestly, that when somebody goes to hell, that their perspective would change or the way they feel would change. But I want you to listen closely to this. And he says that this is, the, the, this is the, the, the rich man that's in hell in Hades. He looks over. He sees Father Abraham on the other side. Basically, there's a divide between the two. And he calls out. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. He wants Lazarus in eternal bliss. He wants Lazarus to do something for him. He wants Lazarus to bring him something. Even at this point, the rich man still wants somebody else to serve him. Because he didn't say, Abraham, will you please allow this for me? He said, Abraham, will you tell Lazarus to bring me just a drop of water? So let's just continue on. This was supposed to be a short sermon. It's not turning out that way. I would apologize, but I'm really enjoying this. So hopefully you'll stick in there with me for just a few more minutes. So, but Abraham said, I love that, but Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And it says in verse 26, And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And so Lazarus, I mean, Abraham is telling him this, and then this is his response to Abraham. He says, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And this is what Abraham said in verse 29. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be convinced that someone should rise from the dead, which we know is, a, is kind of a, a pretext to the death of Christ. So Jesus is talking about that here when he tells the story. So what do we see here? Well, let's go back to James. With that understanding, let's go back to James and let's wrap this up this morning. Listen again. Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation. Lazarus had nothing in this world to boast in but God alone. And you know what? In eternity, that's all that mattered. You know, we think this world is everything, and it feels like everything. But at the end of the day, we only live 60, 70, 80, 90 years if we're lucky. Some of us don't even make it to our teens. Some people don't make it into their 20s. In fact, some of us don't even make it past our 40s. But here's the reality of it. This little life that we have is just that, a little life. That's just a, a tick mark in eternity. So he says here, in this moment, you may be the lowly brother. You may be the one that's suffering. And you've got this rich person over here who's having a great time. What he wants you to know, James is wanting you to know is this. That one day, we will all die. One day, we will all give an account. 
And one day, all that matters is Jesus. There's an old saying, and I hope that I can get it right. It's basically saying, all this time will soon just pass, and all that's done for Christ will last. That's what matters in this life, is living for Christ. And, and going back to Luke as we close, the reality is, um, this man wanted to go and tell his brothers. Notice, he wanted to go tell people that he loved. He didn't want to tell other people. He was concerned about his family. As we live this life, as we understand what James is saying here, and we're going to get to this in about two weeks when we get to chapter 2, we need to understand that we are to love Jesus with everything that is within us and to understand that that is the only thing that truly matters in this life and telling other people about Jesus.